Good morning and welcome to week five in our series, The Mystery God, where we have been looking hard at what Scripture says about God the Holy Spirit. We spent a lot of time speaking about God the Father, and we've spent a lot of time talking about His precious Son, Jesus Christ. And those two are very important, but so is the Holy Spirit. And we, I think there's a lot of unfamiliarity with Him, because some people call Him a ghost. He's not a ghost. He's a spirit, and He is a He. He's the third part of the Trinity. Now, in week one, we identified the real need in our lives as believers and the church at, as a whole for a clearer understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and our desperate need for Him in our lives, in our day-to-day walk, our moment-to-moment walk. He's the one that walks with us and talks with us. In week two, we identified God's greatest gift to believers. We said it's a twofold gift, and the fact that the first part is He gives us salvation. He takes our sin gives us his righteousness. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't do anything wrong, so he wasn't dying for his sin. He was dying for your sin and mine. And so when we accept that gift of salvation, that's the first part. He gives us eternal eternal salvation. How long is that? Forever. Okay, he keeps you. You don't keep him. Aren't we happy? I'm so glad that he keeps us. But the second part is this permanent indwelling of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in the the hearts of all true believers. In week three, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is and why he was sent. Who is he? He is the third member of the Trinity. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And he is sent to us for two main reasons we talked about, scripturally based. First of all, to enable us to witness of Christ Jesus to a lost and dying world. Secondly, to enable us and empower us to do the work of the ministry. Is ministry hard? Yes. If you've ever done it, you shake your head. Yes, it's hard. People ask me, do you like being a nurse or a pastor better? I said, well, I love my boss as a pastor best. But I can tell you, sometimes I feel like I make a whole lot of difference in the ER in a hurry compared to in the ministry. It's hard. And so he enables us to do that work. And we said that he gives us wisdom, enduring power, strength, courage, and the ability to withstand temptation and to overcome temptation. Now, week four, last week, we talked about our our rising to our highest potential. We said that natural gifts are imparted to us at our physical birth, and supernatural gifts are imparted to us upon our spiritual birth. Because God the Spirit is um, omnipotent, means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, means he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, means he's everywhere. And he's all-loving, Because of that, we have the full potential of his power in our lives for the asking and for his glory. And I'll take an amen right there. Come on. All right. We're going to get excited. I'm not going to quit till we do. Now, that leads us to this week where we're going to look at the spiritual gifts that are given to believers and how they can be used in service to our brothers and sisters in Christ and for God's glory. A lot of confusion on this topic. 
A lot of confusion. Now listen, you should have gotten a, a, a handout when you came in. There's an insert in your handout. If you didn't get one, we have several on the back. They were, they, they were in your worship folder. It, who, who would like to have one that doesn't have one? Just raise your hand. We'll bring you one. This is important. This is a, quite a collection of information here. And I'd love for you to have it. There are six separate lists of gifts that appear in the New Testament. And I've listed them on your insert today, on the very front of your insert. You'll see. So let's look them up. Or no, you'll look them up. Okay? That's why I gave you this list. We're going to go over them quickly, but I want you to look them up and I want you to study. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, speaks of uh, the gift of the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, Tongues and interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, speaks of apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, administration, and tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 through 30, speaks of apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Sounds a lot like verse 28. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, speaks of prophecy serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, speaks of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, speaks of speaking and serving. Okay. I really would love for you to go and read them and check up on me. That's where I got them. But it's, it's beautiful because none of them are contradictory. And they're not all listed in one place, but they're all listed. Okay, so these gifts, these gifts that can be broken down into two main categories and those into two subcategories. The first main category is motivational gifts. Okay, and these gifts serve as the primary motivation for their recipient's service. In other words, these are going to be done for the receiver, okay? So there's two categories of motivational gifts. First is the equipping gifts, the equipping gifts. These are the gifts primarily focused on equipping others for service. They were given to certain believers to enable them to equip others to do the work of the ministry. First ones listed is apostles. The gift of apostles was reserved for the 12 men chosen by Jesus during his earthly ministry. But later on, Paul the apostle was given this gift as well because all of these men walked and talked with our Savior. You say, but Jesus was dead when Paul became an apostle. No, he was alive again. And he met and spent time with Paul the Apostle out in the desert after Paul gave his life to Christ. So he was given the gift of apostle. There are people that call themselves apostle, but the teaching of Scripture is an apostle is one who has walked and talked with Jesus. Okay, prophecy. This is the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by proclaiming God's truth. There's a lot of confusion because a lot of people will get this, this prophecy mixed up with prophesying, which often will be foretelling the future. This is 
not for telling the future. This is preaching the word of God. Often, I would like to refer to this person as the hellfire brimstone preacher who points out sin unequivocally. It's either white or it's black. There is no gray. You know anybody that's like that? I'm not. You know why I struggle with that? Because I want you to like me. Well, I'm glad. But I'm going to tell you what. And my wife, believe it or not, I don't know if she's in here. I don't like to embarrass her. She's got this gift. You see, I like to tell you that that chair you're sitting, you say, well, this chair I'm sitting in is, is kind of a, got a little purple tone to it. And I go, well, yeah, I see a little purple. She'll tell you, no, that's burgundy, folks. She'll tell you the truth. And that's what this gift of prophecy is. They'll tell you the truth unequivocally. Okay? Evangelism. We're all called to evangelize. We've talked about that. We've all been given this commission. We've all been given the enablement. But a person with the gift of evangelism is the aggressive soul winner who seeks the lost. I know one. She sits right in that back corner over there. She's even got her dog saved. Yeah, he's Baptist. No, they love about Jesus. They can't get through a day without telling somebody. I'll tell you somebody you all probably know. He, was a, he had the gift of evangelism. His name was Billy Graham. And his son Franklin has that same gift. It's a passion that when they share the love of Christ, people come to know him. Then you have this gift of teaching. This is a spirit-given capacity and, and desire to serve God by making clear the truth of God's word with accuracy and simplicity. Why simplicity? It's not how much you hear, it's how much you understand, right? Amen? We need good teachers, and God has enabled many of you amongst us with this gift of teaching. It's so important. And another side note, teachers usually like to study. That's why for the longest time I didn't think I was a teacher. I like to proclaim, I just don't like to do all that study. Dr. White had, had an office with 4,000 books in it. And he'd, he'd have them all laid out over the table. And he said, he said, oh, I love this. I said, I bought the NIV, so they did all the studying for me. I just want to present it. You see the difference? But God has given us that, that ability. That special. Here's another one, pastor shepherding. Now, in Scripture, pastor, teacher, they're always together. So as a pastor, if you're called to be a pastor, you're going to be an equipper. You're going to teach. But as also a pastor, I've seen preachers, and then I've seen pastors. There's a big difference. You can be a good preacher and a lousy pastor. And you can be a good pastor and not so good a preacher. What's really good is if you get the two together. See, pastoring means you got a heart for people. Because you're shepherding. It's not all about telling them what to do. It's caring for them and nurturing them and living life with them. So this, this is a spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by overseeing, training, and caring for the needs of groups of people. I remember when Bud first took his spiritual gifts into him. Bud is my son. And uh, he, him and his wife lead our children's ministry. And he scored, we took this spiritual gifts inventory, and he scored right off the record for Pastor Shepard. He goes, no, Dad, no, no, I don't want to be a pastor. 
I said, well, you may not have a choice, but I can tell you what that's telling you is you have that nurturing instinct, gift to bring people along, to love on people, to care about people. That's one of the qualities of pastor shepherding. So these are the equipping gifts. And there's, there's four of them there. Now, let's talk about the service gifts. See, these gifts are primarily focused on, on helping others. Helping others. Well, the first one is the gift of administration. Now, listen. Every one of you here, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, has a gift. At least one. And if you'll use it, you'll have more. Amen? You wonder why some people are so gifted. Because they're busy using what they've been given. That's scriptural. There's a whole parable about that. Well, these gifts can be broken down into, uh, uh, excuse me, these gifts are primarily focused on helping others. Now, first one, administration. The spirit-given ability and desire to serve God's people by organizing, administering, promoting, and leading various affairs of the church. I had this gift of administration. But for the longest time, I didn't really get this down That's not why God brought me here. He brought me here to be a pastor, shepherd, and a teacher. But because I'm good at administration, I can get sidetracked from the better gift that he's given me. There are others in this church that have this gift of administration and organization. Okay? How about this exhortation? Now, that's not a word I exhort you and they go, what does that mean? We don't use that word a lot. But this, this gift of exhortation, is, is, it's the how-to teacher. This is the one that probably applies to me more than even teaching. It's the how-to. I want you to know what to do with what we're talking about. The how-to teacher. And another part of that exhortation is, is I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to lift you up. We have encouragers in our church. And I'm so glad for them. How about this gift of faith? says that we all have faith that's given to us upon salvation. It's not even ours. It's a gift to us. And he said, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could see under that mountain, be moved, and it would be moved. But there are those who have the gift of faith, which is a spirit-given ability to demonstrate much faith. When the rest of us get rattled, this person stands strong, and don't we need him amongst us? Next one is this, this gift of giving. I want to go hard to score high on this because I love to give I got a two and I'm going what the spirit given capacity and desire to serve God by giving of his or her material resources far above the tithe to further the work of God that's a gift some people are given that gift and as they share it God blesses them more he'll do that in all of us but some have a gift Then we have the gift of service. This is a spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God's people in tangible ways. See, a lot of people get confused between missions and ministry. Missions is spreading the gospel, and we'll do a lot of ministry while we're doing it. Ministry is doing things that are tangible to other people, like going to one of our widow's houses and cleaning out our gutters. That may not feel spiritual, but it is a gift, and it ministers to people. Just like what's happening up in the panhandle. 
Well, this helping people like that makes a difference. A bottle of water. Somebody to come and just check on you and ask about you. Share the love of Christ. That's the gift of service. And you got this gift of mercy. And I remember when I first started in ministry, I remember one day we were having a meeting, and, and this was with the financial group, or finance team in the church. And it was led by a CPA. And he definitely had the gift of administration. He was an organizer. But in the middle of our meeting, one of the people said, Hey, um, my friend, now remember that my friend Joey here just lost his mom. And our leader at the time, our CPA, gifted it in administration, said, That's a shame. Now, about line four, I shared that with you because he did not have the gift of mercy. Wasn't didn't make him bad. He just, he just didn't hurt with that news like some will hurt. She didn't have that empathy, that sympathy. See, having the gift of mercy is a spiritual given capacity and desire to understand and comfort fellow believers. Then last but not least, the gift of leadership. It's a spirit given capacity and desire to offer guidance and direction to fellow Christians. Remember, these gifts are used to build the kingdom of God in and through ministry. Often the gift of leadership and the gift of administration are interchangeable. They're used together. So those are our, those are our motivational gifts. There's, there's a bunch of them to choose from, and I'll bet you everybody in this room has been given one of those. Now let's talk about this other group of gifts. It's called the sign gifts, S-I-G-N, sign gifts. This is the group that gets a lot of attention. These gifts are actually given to validate the authenticity of the messenger that's delivering the message. Does that make sense? In other words, the gift is given as a sign that the gospel is true and being preached. Okay. These gifts that are listed are miracles, healing, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Let's see if we can give some focus to these sign gifts this morning. The, the sign gifts have and continue to be a source of conflict and confusion and disagreement among believers. Dr. Charles Stanley shares some very insightful uh, questions and comments, and I, I want to share them with you about these often controversial gifts. So here are some of his questions and observations that may help clear up some things and some confusion. Okay, question number one. Why is it so many people seek the sign gift of tongues when the Apostle Paul clearly stated we should earnestly desire the greater gifts? Also, when Paul listed the gifts in order of importance, the gift of tongues is listed last every time. Just saying. Stay with me here. Second question. Why will some people go to such great lengths to seek or receive the sign gift of tongues, but they don't seek the gift of service, giving, or mercy? I got one for you. Why don't people who say they have the gift of healing Go to hospitals. I'm just saying. And that brought another question to my mind. Uh, 
I've often wondered why psychics don't play the lottery. Question number four, why do people who claim to have the gift of healing say the success of their gift depends on the recipient's faith? If you don't get healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you think God's got to heal you every time, how arrogant of you. I had this conversation with my papa because he was taught and he taught that if you remain sick, it's because you didn't have enough faith. I got a request from a lady I haven't heard from her in a long time. We used to be very close. She moved. Got a request from her. Her son, her adult son, is in heart failure, needs a heart transplant. She says, I'm trying to get as many people in for him as we can. I said, I will pray for him. Do you think that if we get a million, it's going to change God's mind? This is not let's make a deal. Now, I'm not saying that prayer isn't important. But let's, let's not try to gang up on God and expect him to do what we ask for. Because his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody that you knew you loved and they loved Jesus and they died anyhow? Did God fall asleep and just not answer our prayer? No. He gave the right answer. We just got to try to figure it out and trust him. See, a believer with the gift of mercy, they can show mercy. Absolutely faithless person. So let me ask you this. What does the Bible say about healing? The Bible is clear. You know, all these questions we have, uh, there's answers for them there if we just dig them out. I'll give you a real clear answer about healing. James chapter 5, verses 14. James says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Whose responsibility is it to ask for prayer? The one who's sick. We don't form a line and I just lay hands on everybody because I've got the gift of healing. There may be some sarcasm in my voice, but I'm tired of this fraudulence. In the body of Christ. It's not scriptural. Can God heal? You bet he can. But he's going to do it when he's ready. And when he wants to. And it's according to his will. We have not because we ask not. But often we have a miss. Let me ask you this. In your experience. Have the gifts of healing and tongues done more to validate or invalidate the message of the person claiming to have them? In other words, has it given them more credibility or less? I think we know the answer to that. Let me ask you this question. Can a man or a woman whose life is not characterized by the fruit of the Spirit perform signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit? Please shake your head, no. Now, there are other powers out there. Mind you, I said by the power of the Holy Spirit. If they're not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit in their life, they will not have the power of the Holy Spirit in demonstration in their life. What's a greater testimony to the power of God? Healing a sick man in a matter of seconds or exercising self-control throughout a lifetime of temptation? I've said this in another way. Guys, we run around bragging, I'd die for her. How about if we live for her first?
And this, Dr. Stanley says, over the years, why have so many people wanted to know whether or not I speak in tongues? He says, why doesn't anybody ask me what kind of father or husband I am? Because we're sidetracked. And then he says, why do I get the impression that they think less of me when I inform them that I do not? Do I believe God still heals? Yes. Because he doesn't change. Do I believe he heals miraculously? Yes. But it's when he decides to do it. No, I have never met anyone who had the gift of healing. Oh, I've seen a bunch of them on TV. I have never met. What do I mean by that? I've never heard or seen anyone who could heal at will like Jesus or his disciples. I've not met them. Maybe they exist. But I can tell you what I see on TV is a a bunch of baloney. It's not scriptural. Here's what scripture says to us. John the Apostle wrote this in 1 John chapter 4. And I know this sounds harsh, but I want us to be clear. If we aren't clear, how can we help others be clear? And I can tell you, boy, we'll chase rabbits in a heartbeat instead of sharing Jesus Christ with the lost around us. This issue of speaking in tongues has been a thorn in the flesh of the, of the body of Christ almost from the get-go because it's misinterpreted. And we're going to talk some more about that in a minute. Listen to what John wrote in Scripture. Beloved, he's, re- he's writing to believers. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. In other words, this is how, he's about to tell you, this is how you can know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So who is it about? Jesus. It's not about a ministry. It's not about a man. It's about Jesus. I'm telling you, if you want to know who's who's preaching the word of God, are they talking about Jesus? Are they talking about the Bible? Are they talking about something that you want to hear? This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is great, who is in the world. If we're confused, talk to the Holy Spirit. If he's in your life, he's there and he's available. There shouldn't be any guesswork. The Holy Spirit always, always, might I say, always gives God the glory. I've listened to sermons, and the first time I listened to this young, charismatic preacher, he's from Texas, and I'll leave it at that. And boy, I thought, he sounds wonderful. He's a handsome guy, he speaks eloquently. And by the end of the sermon, I realized I hadn't heard about the shed blood of Jesus or the forgiveness of sin. And according to Paul in Romans says, if you haven't heard them, you haven't preached the gospel. For that's what saves people from hell. Not a bunch of positive thinking. 
The positive thinking that's spelled out for us in the Bible is that we are all inherently wicked. Yeah, it's not so positive, is it? Hmm. So, so, so then why do the sign gifts seem to draw so many people's attention? How many here have ever heard of spoken, speaking in tongues? You ever hear? Just raise your hand. I'm not asking if you did it. Have you heard of it? Okay. It's, it's, it's quite a contentious issue. You see, I believe the sign gifts, often they seem mystical and powerful to people. And they're appealing to people who desire attention and recognition. It's very appealing. And, and if you don't know the scripture, you're likely to believe whatever you're told. A young lady, a friend of Jerry's, when I first met her, went out to Oral Roberts University. And it was a good Baptist girl, went to Oral Roberts, because they got, they got a really good music program. And she stayed there long enough until she couldn't take it anymore. Because every midweek, they'd get together for a Bible study, and they wanted to get her filled with the Spirit. They wanted her to speak in tongues. If you just raise your hand, and if you just start jabbering, then the Holy Spirit will take over. And she looked at him, and she said, if the Holy Spirit wants to give me the gift of tongues, he don't need my help. Hello? You may not have heard this in church before. I grew up in that. And it was the most confusing thing I ever was uh, involved in. Oh, another reason why I think a lot of them choose is there's no long commitment. I've seen them jump around. I've seen them jabber in other languages. I've seen them falling out in the spirit. And Monday morning, there's no difference in their life. My brother paid me a wonderful, or paid Southern Baptist a wonderful uh, 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 compliment. Because he's still in assemblies of God. I told him, listen, you're secure whether you know it or not. But he said, you know what? One of the things I like about... You Baptist folks, it's your people of the word. See, we, we want you to all to be feeding on the word, not just what you hear on Sunday morning, but what you hear in small group, what you're doing in daily devotion. That's where we get the strength to live. Because when we walk in the Holy Spirit, I want to I read. I'm going to read a passage. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me, this isn't going to be on the big screen except for the Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read verses, start with verse 9. Acts chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 8. I want to read this because this is kind of an example of what I've been talking about. You may have heard of him. His name was Simon the Sorcerer. Okay, here we go. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and admonished the people, astonished his people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. But when they believed Philip... As he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Now, I want you to understand that we're believed there. Right now, at this point in Simon's life, he's a make-believer, not a true believer. All right? He went through, he prayed. He even went and got down and baptized. 
Let's finish reading about him. And he was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles, verse 14, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What they're saying is these people had been told the gospel. They had been baptized to the baptism of John the Baptist. But they hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior because if they had, they would have already had the Holy Spirit in them. Amen? See, this is, what, this is what concerns me. This can happen. In fact, it can probably happen in this church and every other church. You can go to church, you can say a prayer, you can get baptized, and you can be as lost as anybody on earth. Because it's not what you do, it's who you trust in. Okay, so... Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. That's the first clue that he's not saved. He's not listening to the Holy Spirit, but he likes the signs and wonders that he's seeing. Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. It's like commercialized religion. I've had, I've had a lot of offers on TV over the years. Just The Lord's just give me a word, brother. Send me $1,000. Send me $1,000. Send me $1,000. Salvation's never about money. Never. Ever. Because salvation is free. Amen? So... Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. I just read an article the other day and gave me the, the names of the top 10 or top 20 richest ministers in America. Well, in the world, excuse me. And, and to see the wealth that's lined up behind these guys' names made me sick to my stomach. I'm not saying you got to be poor to be right with God. But you can't take it with you. Amen? See, God always... Are the sign gifts real? Yes! I've had this conversation many times with Bible scholars with much more training than I am. And they tell me, some would tell me that the the gift of tongues is a dispensational gift. It's still listed in the Word of God. But it always meets an objective. Nowhere in the Word of God do you see the gift of tongue as a jabbering, unknown language. In fact, let's, let's, listen, God always has a purpose for everything. Nothing is random. I want you to, if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I want to read this. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's very, very clear. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I want us to take a quick look at, at, at the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. This is where it gets a, a lot of people confused. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. In fact, they had all come for the celebration. When they heard this noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Were they speaking in an unknown language to them? Yes. What were they speaking? The goodness of God. If you read down a few more scriptures, and they were speaking the goodness of God in these people's language so they could hear about Jesus Christ. It was purposeful. Was it miraculous? You bet. Could it happen today? Yes. My Spanish is so bad that every time I go to Mexico, I'm hoping the Lord speaks through me. And I believe just as sure as I'm standing here, if there is someone who wants to draw near to God, God said, I will draw near to you. And if someone needs to hear the gospel in Spanish, I may speak it in English, and they could very easily hear it in Spanish. We're talking about God who knows everything, can do everything. Come on now. But there's a purpose for it. It's not just some gibberish. Paul the Apostle spoke to that. He said, if you feel you've got a message from God, you better have an interpretation. And there's another thing I've heard way too many times over the years. Oh, I've got a new message from God. What do you tell him? He forgot and left something out? Come on, folks. If we know the Word of God, then we can be solid about our beliefs and we can sway this other stuff. I went to Houston to visit my brother several years back. I went to Assemblies of God Church, and I pick on Assemblies of God because I'm from it. That pastor spent 45 minutes of pulpit time talking about the heresy of Southern Baptist. They think they get saved and they stay saved no matter what. I was like the only one that wanted to say, yeah, Amen. My brother was so embarrassed. He said, I can't believe my pastor spent that kind of time. I said, there's a lot of ignorance. And too bad it's in the pulpit. And we're going to answer. The pulpit, the men in the pulpit are going to answer to God for what they have and haven't shared. That's why the truth is the authority. God's word. God's word. I'm not making any of this up. I'm reading it to you. See, the miracle that happened that day was purposeful. As a matter of fact, Peter, once he was full of the Holy Spirit, got up and preached under the anointing, and 3,000 of those people gave their hearts to Jesus. I was saying the Holy Spirit is doing some preparatory work out in that crowd. The Holy Spirit gave the disciples the ability to proclaim the salvation story in languages of all the people that were in Jerusalem for the celebration. Can the Holy Spirit... Give the ability for believers to speak in an unknown language? Yes. Several years back, I had a lady came to our church. She seemed very nice. She called herself an apostle. So that sent a red flag up for me. 
And then she said, Pastor, do you believe in a private prayer language? I said, do. I do. Keep it private. Keep it private. Listen. God can do and will do anything if it fits his purpose. And that's, that's the way we've got to pray. Can God heal you? Can God heal your loved one? Yes. Is that his purpose? That's what Jesus was trying to teach us in the garden. God, this is what I want, but this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to accept your answer. And he, he can use it to, to share the gospel. Now, can the Holy Spirit bring miraculous healing today? Certainly. If he's asked and it fits his purpose. Why? Because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Moving along, some final comments on the sign gifts. And this, I, I want you to take this to the bank. In fact, I filled a couple blanks out for you. Here, this is so important when it comes to the sign gifts. Seek the giver, not the gift. Seek the giver, not the gift. Worship the giver, not the gift. The one thing that Jesus banged heads with, with the Pharisees over more than anything, was the fact that they were worshiping the law, and they quit worshiping the lawgiver. If the Holy Spirit wants to give you a gift, he will give it to you. All you got to do is seek him and listen to him. Listen. And, and, and part of that problem is, is when you're taught that if you, just, if you just seek for the gift of tongues, when he comes in, you'll get the Holy Spirit in your life. What's wrong with that picture? If you're born again believer, he's been there the whole time. Because you can't get Jesus without the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of passionate about this because this caused me a lot of confusion. And it's caused a lot of other people confusion too. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the capacity and the desire... Notice we put those two together. The capacity and the desire to serve him with whatever gift he has given you. But I want your gift. No, you need to take the gift that God's given you. He's created you. Listen, he's not going to give you a gift that clashes and goes against your personality. Now, he might change your personality a little bit. I never thought I could ever be a pastor. I'm still not sure I can because it takes patience. God has a way of teaching us that, doesn't he? But, you know, you say, what kind of behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah, we need a bunch of them. We need a bunch of folks that are serving, have the gift of mercy, the gift of helps. Because, Because the Holy Spirit knows everything certainly knows everything about you. He knows what gift he has given you or will give you, and he knows what's best. I know churches spend a lot of time filling out gifts inventories, and listen, I'm not against that, because that, that can give you a picture. It can paint you a picture. If you want them, answer them honestly. That's the key. And if, you, if you've never filled one out and you'd like to, come and see me. I'll give you one, and we'll sit down and talk about it. It can be very revealing. But the best way to know what gift you've been given is to ask the giver. Ask the Holy Spirit. How have you gifted me? 
He will tell you. Others will see it in you. Some thoughts on the motivational gifts. These are gifts that serve as the primary motivation for the well-being of others. There's four equipping gifts, and there's seven service gifts that we've listed. In closing, I want to write, read what Peter said. I, I love Peter. He's just straightforward. First Peter chapter 4. As each has received a gift. What does that tell you? If you're a born-again believer, each of you has received a gift. Not if or when, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have received a gift. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has grace that just goes right across the table, and he will use our different gifts to express it to his people. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Isn't it? Awesome. As you serve with your gift that it blesses people, man, that, there's just no better, better way to be. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. There's that purpose. Everything we do is to bring him glory. Everything. If we're not bringing him glory, we're probably bringing ourselves glory. So every believer, if you're following along your listeners, here's the last three blanks. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Not make believers, true believers. Remember that happens upon salvation. That's the righteousness that God gives us. And he gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit against the day of redemption. He's there. And when he comes in, I love this, salvation begins because the, the penalty of sin is erased permanently. All sin is forgiven. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to work with us step by step. He'll convict us of things that are in conflict to his word. He knows his word. And he will convict us. And as we make those decisions, guess what's happening? We're being released from the power of sin in our life. And ultimately, one day, when we're in his presence, we'll be released from the very presence of sin. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I, I, I want to... I, wanna, I just want to be with the Lord. But it's not time yet because we got work to do. There are others that need to know. Every believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Every believer is gifted to serve. I look around. And I see a lot of folks that are serving and I see a lot of folks, come on now, that are sitting. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're gifted. I always wanted to be in the gifted program. I'm finally in it. And last but not least, every believer is expected by God, not the church, by God, to serve, not sit. So if you're here this morning and you're unsure what your gift or gifts may be, 
Start by asking the Holy Spirit. See, that's what we want to do. We want to have this personal conversation with the living God. That's how we do through the Holy Spirit that's in us. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what you've gifted me. I think I might know. Help me to know. He wants you to know. If he's given. And then seek out some wise counsel. Someone who you know is walking in his spirit and loves the Lord and loves you and say, you know, I, I believe this is what God's gifted me. And then we'll pray together. And then the next thing you got to do is you got to list yourself available. I'm available. Well, nobody's ever asked me. Did you tell anybody that you were available? I remember when I got saved, I was so excited about having a clean slate. I said, whatever. I'll drive a bus. I'll teach kids. I'll, yeah, I don't, I'll paint the church. I didn't care. I was so happy to be saved. Now, some of that wasn't enjoyable. And I found my area of giftedness. I love teenagers. I did not like te- teaching them. No, I like teaching adults. I love teenagers. So you, you may say, well, listen, I'm, I'm going to try this. Janetta, I'm going to use you. She said, I, I've never had children. I said, would you work with our kids? That bubbly personality will work with anybody of any age. And she's over there serving the Lord in our kids' department. How's it going? Kids like her. Go figure. All right, we've covered a lot of ground. That's why I tried to put it on the insert. I really would love for you to, if you would, just to take the time to look back over this. If you've got questions, if I've said something that offended you, come and tell me. If I've said something that confused you, come, let's talk about it. We need to be clear on this. We need to be able to take a stand. Because if we don't take a stand, we'll fall for anything. Now, next week, if the Lord hasn't taken us all home, and I'm beginning to think it could happen any week, we're going to talk about the marks of a spirit-led believer. And one of those is holiness. Would you bow with me and pray? Father God, you have you've done such a great job, such a great job in your word and with your Holy Spirit of giving him to us. I mean, everywhere we go, he's there. You know, I, sometimes I'm just, I feel so lost without my cell phone, but I'm never lost without the Holy Spirit. All the answers, all the encouragement, all the, all the, the direction, all the joy, all the passion, everything I need, you have. And it's in my life. All I got to do is access it and say, God, Holy Spirit, work in me, teach me, I'm yours, I give myself to you. Work with this mess. Make something out of me. You did it with a bunch of fishermen. You can do it with me. You did it with a man who was persecuting the church. You can do it with me. God, I give myself to you. Now listen, if you're here this morning, why don't you listen to something? If you think that you've got to change whatever you're doing in your life before God will accept you, you're dead wrong. Come as you are. Come as you are. You see, Jesus loves you the way you are. Other people may have trouble with you. 
Other, may people, other people may look down at you. But if you really want to get in touch with someone who loves you, who's crazy about you, who died for you, then come as you are and say, I give myself to you. And I want you, I trust you enough, Lord Jesus, to bring about the change in my life that you see fit. Now, this could be someone who's never accepted Christ, or this could be someone who has accepted Christ but has been battling with the Holy Spirit about an issue that you know he wants you to take care of. He knows you, he he either wants you to start doing something or stop doing something and you've been ignoring him. Well, I can tell you there's, there's very little in life that will cause you more grief than being at odds with the Holy Spirit when he's in your life. So I ask you to pray with me this morning. First of all, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus and you say, well, I don't know if he would take me the way I am. Trust me, he will take you right now the way you are. Just ask him and say, God, please give me salvation. Please forgive me of my sins. Now listen, listen. It's going to require some change because God wants us to be holy. He said, I'm holy and I want my people to be holy. And God has some rules, not just because he's God, but he wrote them to protect us. So if there's things in the Bible that say we should do or not do, and we're either not doing them or doing them, then we got to be willing to say, all right, I will listen to you, and I will make whatever changes you want me to do, but I want you to be my Savior. That's called repentance. And I'm, I'm going to give myself to you this morning. If if you're willing to do that, just pray that with me. Say, God, I give myself to you, all of me. Would you take me and do with me what you will? Please give me eternal life. Give me salvation. So when I get saved this morning, your Holy Spirit will come into my life and make me. Be the man or the woman that you want me to be. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's our trust in him. And if you prayed that this morning with me, then just thank him for giving you eternal life. And make the determination right now with his help that you will learn more and more and more about what he has to say because he's wise and loving. Believer, we need to give ourselves afresh. It's so easy. We give ourselves and then we take ourselves back. That's the problem with being a living sacrifice. We crawl back down off the altar. Well, let's crawl back up on it this morning, believer, and say, God, use me. I give myself, I surrender myself to your Holy Spirit this morning. It's scaring me because there's some things I know are going to need to change. God, give me that strength. Give me that desire. Give me that passion. With your help, Lord, moment by moment, day by day, I want to walk with you closer than I've ever been. Father, we love you. Thank you for making this available to us. Oh, may we take advantage of it in the days ahead so that Davenport will have a better chance of coming to know you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.